You're listening to audio from The Village Church. If you'd like to check out more resources or give to our ministry, please visit us at thevillagechurch.net. This is the good news of the gospel. God made us, showed us how to live, but we chose our own way. Our sins separated us from God. But God had a compassionate plan. The Father sent His Son, Jesus, to restore all that was broken. We couldn't comprehend Jesus. Or His supposed kingdom. His message was radical and offensive. So So we we killed killed Him. But a greater story was being told. The Father placed the wrongdoings of the entire world, past, present, and future, on Jesus, making a way back to Himself. Now, through Christ's death, burial, and resurrection, we are raised to new life, free from all guilt and condemnation, as God is making all things new. His Spirit now lives in those who believe to take His good news to all people, even to the ends of the earth. This This is the the Gospel. Morning, church. How are we? All right? Good. Well, my name is Josh Patterson, serve as one of the pastors here on staff, and uh, I have the joy and privilege of uh, sharing with you this morning out of Ephesians chapter 4. So we'll be in Ephesians chapter 4, the very passage that we just read. But as, uh, as you're turning there, just let me tell you how encouraged I am. This weekend has been full of baptisms. Uh, And what that means for those who may not know, and a reminder for those who do know, is baptism is something that a believer does to profess publicly what God has already done in their hearts. And so just as we have seen this morning, uh, we saw I think five this morning, and we had five scheduled last night, and then two just spontaneous baptisms last night, and we got another handful this morning. That's a lot to rejoice in. That just is a a testimony. of God's gracious work in the hearts of people. That's what he does. And when I think about all the challenges of this world, all the despair, all the darkness, all the frustration, all the hurt, all the sorrow, and that's not, that's not the full story of the world, but there's plenty of that to go around, to know that we have actual hope. We have hope. Like you entered this morning, if you know Jesus Christ, you entered with hope. Not hope that will one day come, hope that's already been purchased for you, hope that has already been secured because Christ has already risen from the grave. And when he rose from the grave, he rose in victory, defeating sin, death, and the enemy. And so you and I are locked in with hope. We showed up anchored in hope. That is fantastic news. I could pray and we could be done and that would be enough. I do have a couple of things that I want to share with you, though, uh, before I pray and before we're done. Uh, We're in a series, and that series is called This Is the Gospel. And what we're trying to do in this series is just hold the gospel up and kind of turn it around a little bit and look at it. It's just marvel at the beauty of it, the simplicity of it, the wonder of it, the power of it. And so in week one, we looked at the gospel from the air, the vantage point of what God is doing cosmically in all the heavens and the earth. And then we took it from the air and brought it right to the ground and said, what is the gospel doing on the ground? And then we said, what kind of culture does the gospel create? And it's a messy and a beautiful culture. That was last week. This week is this, that the gospel creates a gifted people. And here's what I think is marvelous. 
Part of the spoils of God's victory in Christ is that he shares those spoils with his people by giving them gifts. And if I could just make it more personal, he shares the spoils of his victory by giving you gifts. You people are a gifted people. And the gifts that he has given to you are the spoils of his victory. That's amazing. That's amazing. Not only did you come in this morning anchored in hope, but you have been gifted with purpose. Your life is consequential. Your life matters, whether you knew it or not. Your life matters. The Apostle Paul in the book of Ephesians, just by way of context, one of my favorite books in all of Scripture, the first three chapters of the book of Ephesians are this really beautiful doctrine about Christ calling people and creating the church. Wonderful prayers, wonderful theology all throughout the beginning of the book. And then in chapter four through six, that's the second half of the book, he takes all of that really grand theology and brings it right to the ground. And he says, this is how you live it out. So he starts off in chapter four, verse one, by saying this. Hey, I want you to live a life that is worthy of the calling to which you've been called. He says this, I've called you out of darkness. I have brought you out of light. Jesus is, has done this on your behalf. So live a life worthy of the death that I died for you. Live a life that way. Your life matters. It's not just I've invited Jesus into my heart and then I'd go off and do my own thing. It's I've invited Jesus into my heart and now Jesus takes reign and rule of my heart and I'd lay my heart down and live in such a way that brings honor and glory to him for what he has done for me. He didn't have to, but he did. And I live in response to his glory and his grace. So in chapter four, he starts off, live a life worthy of the calling. And then in chapters or verses one through six, he's gonna really hone in on unity. And he's gonna talk about the part of, of what the church is to be about is we are to be a unified people. He's gonna talk about oneness. He's gonna talk about one faith, one body, one baptism, one father, one God and Lord of them all. And the reason he's gonna spend a lot of time talking about oneness, he's gonna pivot in verse 11. He's gonna talk about the diversity of gifts. But before he talks about the diversity of gifts, he's gonna anchor us in this oneness. You and I, as members of the body of Christ, are one in Christ. Can we say amen to that? Amen. amen. And you and I have been endowed with a diversity and a beautiful array of different gifts. Can we say amen to that? It's true, we are one in Christ, one body, one faith, one Lord, one baptism. We'll see some more at the end of this service. And in that oneness, and through that oneness, we have been endowed with a variety of gifts. And linking verses, uh, verse one through six and 11 through 16 is seven through 10. And in seven through 10, what Paul talks about is this, is that Christ has won the victory. He's won the day. And the spoils of his victory are the gifts that he gives to his people. It's not all the spoils of his victory, but part of the spoils of his victory. In his triumphal procession, he gives gifts to his people. Isn't that great? I mean, it's incredible. It, wouldn't it just have been enough if the gospel had been in the air? Wouldn't it have just been enough if God has saved me and redeemed me and washed me and cleansed me and they kind of sent me off on my way? But he didn't do that. He did more than that. He saved me, washed me, cleansed me, redeemed me, made me a new creation in Christ, just like he did for you if you profess 
faith in the Lord Jesus. And, and he said, hey, come here. Your life matters. Come on. Let's go. Go with me. Join me in my work. You will find the most fullness, flourishing life when your life is found in him. And he said, I have gifted you, church, in such a way that you would join me in my work. Now, here's the deal. <clears throat> I went to Texas A&M. And uh, that's, a, that's a bit of a pivot. Um, and I went there because I, I was... Studying to be an oral surgeon. That's what I thought I wanted to be when I grew up. Uh, and the reason that I wanted to be that is because that's what my dad was. Uh, if you had asked me all throughout my life, what do you want to be when you grow up? I would have said, I want to be an oral surgeon like my dad. Um, and there was a lot, uh, a lot of really good in that for me. Uh, my whole life, that's what I thought I wanted to do. Uh, some of you know my story. Uh, and I'll say this, my, my high school years which included rehab and military school, really didn't show much of a trajectory towards medicine, all right? There, was, uh, there were some questions that we may have had in that season of my life, fair questions. I came to faith at 19, and, uh, and I was a new creation, and I also had a rekindled focus. I was like, I'm going after this thing. So I go to Texas A&M, I'm a zoology major, all right? My junior year at a and I'd been a Christian for two years, I'm having a conversation with a dear friend, Angie Davis, now Angie Isles, in the Memorial Student Center, the first week of class, our junior year. We're having a conversation about the gospel, and I said this to Angie, hey, you know, if the gospel's true, and I believe it is, then it's the most important thing in the world. And if it's the most important thing in the world, I don't want to do anything else with my life. And I said that, and it just began to haunt me. So it's like I walked away from that conversation. I was like, what, what does that mean about medicine. What does that mean about my life? What does that mean about zoology? What does that mean about all of these things? And for the next year, that rattled around in my head and my heart in a haunting, like a good gospel haunting way that eventually led me to set up a time to meet with my dad in Waco, Texas in November of 1999. And I drove to meet him in Waco to have a conversation to say, dad, I'm not sure it's medicine. I think it might be ministry. Now here's the reality, I was terrified of that. I didn't grow up in the church, I didn't have a pastor role model, uh, I didn't have some example of what this meant. This, this was, if I just go back to high school and I go back to the rehabs and I go back to the, 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 the you know, military school and all of that kind of stuff, Let's just say ministry and medicine were both not on the trajectory of my life at that point, okay? This was a foreign concept for me, just totally foreign. So I'm having the conversation with my dad, and he said, son, I think you need to make a leap, and I think you need to, need to make a leap towards ministry. So I got in my car, and I drove back to College Station, I changed my major from zoology to communication, praise the Lord, so much easier. And, um, <laughs> and, uh, and I graduated, and, and in some sense, I haven't looked back. You know, that was, that was a long time ago. And in another sense, I look back all the time. Look back all the time. I think about that, that sentence that I said, that just God used to bring me into a place to where vocational ministry is what he's had for me for the last two decades of my life. And I'm thankful for that. Now here's, I give you that story to say this. The overwhelming majority of you in this room do not have that same story. You don't. Uh, vocationally, you have become 
doctors, teachers, business people, stay-at-home moms, managers, engineers, everything in between, you have not vocationally become pastors. And let me just say this, if you think that ministry is mine and not yours, we're gonna wake up to Ephesians chapter four because ministry is ours. And what we're gonna see Paul discuss in Ephesians chapter four is the various roles in ministry and what it looks like. So I give you that story to say, sure, you may not be called to pastoral ministry. Praise the Lord. You're called to ministry. You're called to ministry. God has a call on your life. How do I know that? Because if you're a Christian, he has called you to be an ambassador. If you're a Christian, he has called you into the ministry. If you're a Christian, he has a role for you to play. He has gifted you with the spoils of his victory to give you a ministry that is meaningful, significant, and yours. It's yours. And my hope in this message is that we as a church would awaken to that all the more that we would long to own the ministry that he's entrusted to us all the more. Here's my point. It's this. God gave people to prepare people to build people. God gave people to prepare people to build people. We're going to be in Ephesians 4, 11, and 12 primarily. Here's what you need to know about this. It's one long sentence in the Greek. Ephesians 4, 11 through 16 is one long Greek complex sentence that we're not going to look at or diagram. You just need to know that Paul has one thought in mind. And that one thought is this. God gave people to prepare people to build people. Okay? So in Ephesians 4, 11, here's what you need to see. And he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, and teachers. The emphasis here in verse 11 is Christ. Christ gave, the emphasis is on the he, he gave. These are the spoils of his victory. This is the spoils of his good pleasure. It links back to verse seven, where in verse seven, the apostle Paul writes this, but grace was given to each one of us according to the measure of Christ's gift. Grace was given to each one of us. Did you know this? that you are a gifted individual. Did you know that? That's not rhetorical, I need an amen. Did you know that you are gifted? You are. Did you know that with those gifts, God is calling you to steward those and use those and deploy and employ those for his service? Did you know that, church? Amen. amen. This is for you, but he gave some. He gave some. And he sets some apart, not because they're better, not because they have some kind of special favor, not because he looked out and thought, oh, those guys or those gals. There is not a distinction of value, but a distinction of role. I have no idea why he called me into the ministry. I have no idea. I just know that I couldn't shake that he did. I couldn't shake it. And for such a time as this, for such a season of, as this, this is what I am to steward. He gave some, not all, he gave some. And those who are in that some category are meant to equip others to do the work of ministry. God gave people to prepare people to build people. God gave people to prepare people to build people. Listen to what F.F. F. Bruce says about this. Those that are named here in verse 11 
exercise their ministries in such a way as to help other members of the church exercise their own respective ministries. Max Anders amplifies that and he says this, it's not the task of these gifted people to do all the work of ministry. Their task is to prepare God's people for works of service. When believers are equipped and people accept the adventure of ministering to others, then the whole body is built up, matured, strengthened, and flourishes. Lord, let it be so. Let it be so. There is not a distinction of value, not a distinction of favor, not a distinction of varsity and junior varsity, not a distinction of superior and inferior, but a distinction of purpose and role. For those of us who are called into vocational ministry, our purpose is simple, to equip you for the work of ministry. The ministry is ours, not mine. It's ours. It is a shared work, a shared endeavor. And so as Paul goes into verse 12, he says this, we're to equip the saints for the work of ministry. Some people are meant to prepare other people. This word here, to equip, it's the only time it's used in the New Testament. It means this, it means to equip, to furnish, to prepare, to train, to mend, to put things in order like the setting of a bone. And what you should expect from church leadership is to be equipped to be prepared, to be furnished, to be set in order, to be mended and healed where mending and healing are needed, and then to be activated and released into the game. To release into the spaces and places where your gifts come alive, because they matter. I say this all the time. Your life is consequential. It matters. Your leadership matters. Your gifts matter. I love what Francis Schaeffer, he says this, there are no little jobs. And he says more about that. There's no little jobs. There's no little places and there are no little people. Your life matters. You are to be equipped, trained, prepared, furnished, ready to go to get in the game. And God is actively inviting you to participate in his good work. And as we are being prepared, as we're being furnished, as we're being mended and healed, and all of the good work that happens in and through and around the church, we're to be more like a pipe than a pool. And here's what I mean by that. That we're not to be a pool where we just keep kind of filling up with water and holding the tank steady. No. The reason you're in men's Bible study or women's Bible study or recovery or the training program or in a home group or wherever you find yourself is to be more like a pipe that that flows through you towards other people. That that grace that was given to you is meant for you and another. That healing that was given to you is meant for you and another. That provision that was meant for you is meant for you and another. It never terminates on ourselves. We don't swell up like a pool, but it moves through us like a pipe. And what God is saying to his people, church, we are not an audience to be entertained, but ambassadors to be activated, to be released into a work that he has for us. And if I could just make it more specific, a work that he has for you. For you. Yeah, you. 
And I don't know how you came in here. I don't know how this hits you. If you think, gosh, I'm, I'm ill-equipped. I, I feel nervous. I don't particularly like people. Well, welcome. There's plenty of us who are like that, right? I mean, the whole story of my ministry has been me feeling small in it. And I feel like I've read somewhere that he does something through broken vessels. That part of what he is doing is flexing his power, is showing off his wonder, his strength, his work, and he's doing it through broken, messy, not put together people. Welcome to the club of ministry. You'll fit right in. You'll fit right in. But you, church, have a work to do, and it's a good work. It's a good work. In preparing for this, I found myself frustrated, specifically around the word volunteer. And it's a word that we have used. We need more volunteers in Kids Village. We need more volunteers in Little Village. We need more volunteers here and there. And and I just kind of am annoyed with that sentiment. Uh, There are plenty of places that you can volunteer, and it's good and right to do that. The Apostle Paul is not talking about volunteering. He's not talking about community service work here. That has its place. He's saying, church, you have been redeemed. Your eyes have been opened. You've been quickened to life, and I've given you the spoils of my victory, namely gifts entrusted to you. Get busy. Get to work. Get serving, get leading, get caring, get loving. This is the work of the church. This is not a volunteer drive. This is a place to step in and care for God's people, to love the church, to bind up the church in faith, to grow the church in love, and you have a role in it. You've got a role in it. I'll say this, just, and what's crazy is I'm almost done. But I want, you to, I want you to see a couple of things. God gave people to prepare people to build people. I want to highlight some things here. Specifically, people in our congregation who are building people. They're building you. And I asked some of our staff, I said, hey, shoot me some names, give me some stories And I have more names and more stories than I have time to tell. Praise the Lord for that. Praise the Lord for that. So in some sense, church, we are flourishing because you are owning the ministry. You're owning it. And I am unashamedly saying, we want more. Not because I'm trying to raise up volunteers, because I long for you to walk in what God has for you. Listen to some things happening in and through our church. Michelle Bowman, a lot of you know her. Tara Lynn Amen, two women in our church who are leading and loving single moms in our community. We got to see the fruit of that last weekend where they got to baptize a lady that they have been caring for and loving. That's amazing. Rob and Margie Lindley, a lot of you know Rob and Margie because they're everywhere. Um, Rob and Margie are senior coaches in our premarital ministry here at the church. They personally have done premarital counseling for over 100 couples through the Village Church. That's amazing. Invested in 100 future marriages, caring and loving 
people. John and Melody Walker, home group leaders here in the church. Their home group has been one that is modeling the one another's for all of us as they've walked through aging parents, suffering, disease, death, loss, struggling, and that group has bound together, caring for one another, loving, leading, shepherding, stepping into spaces, comforting. It's amazing. Jeff Ray, Jeff Ray, father of four little girls, full-time job. You'll find him on Tuesday nights leading worship in men's Bible study every single week. He also leads a table in men's Bible study. He also went through the teacher cohort training so he could step in and teach men's Bible study. I'm grateful for that. Jeff and Val Warner. If you've been around student ministry at this church for any length of time, Jeff and Val have served there for 15 years, week in and week out. Every student night, every spend weekend, camp, and everything in between, they plan their year around students. Jeff works nights, which means he gets up, goes to student night, and then heads to work all night at the airport. Pretty incredible. Ashley Ginsberg, mom of three kids under 10, came here and started Praxis Groups, which is a discipleship ministry for women. And now there are dozens of Praxis Groups all across our community of women loving, learning, caring for one another because of Ashley's leadership. Jackson Moody, high school student here, Every Wednesday night, he walks around student night asking kids how he can pray for them. He prays for them on the spot. He also serves here in Kids Village. Why? Because he wants to be able to walk with those kids all the way up through his college years so he can have a group of students that he invests in. That's a high school student. Jeff Wilkin leads worship in Kids Village week in and week out, writes curriculum. He's got a full-time job, and it's not here. Brian and Shelby Helm. Brian and Shelby have served our church for a number of years. Brian was a deacon for forever in benevolence. And recently, their host home for our student ministry on Wednesday nights, they didn't have enough room in one of their rooms in their house for the amount of students that were coming, so they did the next logical thing. They blew out the wall to make more room for students in their home. I love that. Eric Loper, Cody Tilger, and some other dads, every Wednesday night when they drop their kids off at student night, they park their cars and they walk around the Highland Village campus for the hour and a half that our kids are there praying that God would move in the hearts of the next generation, praying protection and favor. Just a couple of dads doing full-time ministry work with other full-time jobs. John and Kimberly King, they greet here week in and week out. You know them, they usually sit right there, but they're out camping this weekend. They work in young lives. They've given space and time for moms in our community, single moms, single teenage moms in our community, caring and loving them faithfully. Lauren Lauk, through Young Life, meeting with middle school girls, setting up opportunities to sow the seeds of the gospel in their little impressionable hearts and affirming them that God sees them, values them, and loves them deeply. So grateful for her. Reed and Hannah Mittenness, training program coaches. The testimony of a lot of people in the training program is we are leading uh, tables in the training program because of the way that Reed and Hannah led us. Jody Weiser. Jody faithfully leads a table in women's Bible study. A couple of weeks ago, she took a work trip to Hawaii, which I envy a work trip to Hawaii. 
But she saw it more than just a work trip to Hawaii. She invited another friend, member from the church, to go with her to look for gospel opportunities in and around a community that's just walked through a devastating fire. So they went looking for prayerful gospel opportunities to share. Keith and Bonnie Nimmons, Craig and Sean Ross lead our prodigal care group here at the church. It's one of the largest care groups that we have with the longest waiting list. It's meant to serve parents who have, st- who have wayward children. You think about the ministry opportunity that they have, faithfully serving our body week in and week out. Jennifer and Bart Talkington, Larry and Michelle Milhouse, Debbie and Roger Flazetti are leading our care groups, faithfully leading ministry, uh, faithfully leading marriage care groups at recovery every Wednesday night. It matters. Your life is consequential. The Gherkin family lead a home group and lead in the student ministry, trying to blend a next-gen reality and be a welcoming home for the next generation. Sue Christie is a care advocate for women in unhealthy marriages. Tom Knight serves in production right back there and is also a men of peace leader as he cares for men who are walking through challenging marital situations. Mandy Aldridge and Greg Wilson are at Art of Care week in and week out for three straight years, raising up the next set of care advocates in our church. Cynthia Gladden leads a marriage reconciliation group for the past seven years, week in and week out, and I could go on and on and on. And we rightly pause to thank the Lord for the men and women, not the professionals, not not this, the men and women who have recognized that the ministry is theirs. It's theirs to own. And not in some strange, weird way, but in a responsive way because the gospel has done something in our hearts. And we respond rightly to the call, to the invitation to the gracious invitation to step in and to care for people, to build them up in the faith, to build them up in love, to build them up in grace. Do you know anybody, anybody who has received too much grace? Do you know anybody that doesn't need more encouragement, right? And to be able to step in with people and love them, to care for them, to lead them, to affirm them in Christ. What a gift. Church, be encouraged. Be encouraged. And then church, be activated. For those of us who maybe we're a bit weary, maybe we've fallen asleep, maybe it's time to wake up and get in the game. This is what God has for you. This is what he has for you. God God gave people to prepare people to, to build people. And if you are lacking in the preparation, if you are lacking in the equipping, then you need to raise your hand. There's a card in the seat back in front of you or a QR code. Scan that QR code and say, hey, I need to get equipped in this way or in that way. And that is our role. But our role is not to take from you what is yours. That is stealing. And what is yours is the ministry. It's yours. It's not mine. It's not ours. It's yours. So for us to activate in you and to release those gifts out into the world and to see Christ's presence all throughout the domains that we find ourselves in. If you're hurting, 
If you're struggling, if you're banged up, if you need to be healed up, there are spaces and places for exactly that. We don't know who you are necessarily, so you gotta raise your hand. I'm not saying actually, I'm saying find a way to find us. There's a QR code in the seat back in front of you. There's men and women in Connection Central right outside these doors to my left, your right when you leave here. There'll be men and women up here during response time to come forward. You find a way to take a step towards the ministry that is yours. You find a way to take a step towards that which you need. So let me ask you this. Have you ever been cared for and comforted by Christ? Have you ever been cared for and comforted? If you have, just get your hand up. According to 2 Corinthians 1, Paul says this, that the God of all comfort comforts you so that you might be a comfort for others in all things. You're ready. You're ready. Raise your hand if you have come to faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. You put your faith in him. He has removed the scales from your eyes. He has quickened your heart to life. You know what it's like to be lost and now you're found. Guess what? You're ready. You're ready to share your faith. Do you have to have all the answers? Absolutely not. Who has all the answers? But what you have is a testimony that can't be taken from you. It should be shared from you. I have been changed. I have been redeemed. I have been set free. I don't get it all, but I know this to be true, that Jesus made a way for even a guy like me. He'll make a way for you. We're ready to share. We're ready to comfort. We're ready to minister to people. And I pray that we are a church that is activated towards this end. Would you pray with me? Father in heaven, We entrust all of this to you. We long for this. We want this. And I pray just, even as I just read through a bunch of names, knowing that there's a bunch more names that I could read off, and I praise you for that. But I pray that that didn't create some weird sense of shame or uh, like, gosh, I'm not doing enough. I pray what it activates in hearts, God is a desire to take a step, just a step towards the invitation that you're graciously extending. And maybe the step is to get equipped. Maybe the step is to learn about my gifts. Maybe the step is to find some healing. Praise the Lord, that's what we're about. But maybe the step is to own a sense of ministry that I just haven't owned. Maybe I've gotten a little sluggish or a little sleepy Or maybe the cares of the world have just gotten to be so much, which I get. I know every single name that I read wrestles with the reality of being busy. People have a lot to do. But would you reorder our priorities and align them with yours? Would you create in us a longing to be in step with how you have redeemed us to live. Reconciled people live reconciled lives. And so I pray that you would release reconcilers, that you would activate ambassadors. I pray favor over our church. I bless you. I bless you so much to be thankful for. We pray all of this in Christ's name.